it is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too it's a thing and now the truth is out there i can tell you about my favorite place to have fun chumba casino they have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week you can play for free anytime anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses so join me in the fun sign up now at chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary btw void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus and a good Thursday to you, everyone. I am Chris Landry for Pac-12 Football and Beyond. Welcome in as we'll take you through a lot of Pac-12 talk this hour. Uh, a reminder that after this show, we'll uh, join you with SEC Football and Beyond with myself and Dan Matthews. A lot of good stuff for the next couple of hours. And we invite you to join us, those of you that are watching us live. We appreciate it. And join us in the chat room. Go into the comment section. Ask us a question. We'll certainly address it right here on the show. Those of you that are listening to the podcast, uh, we appreciate you doing so. And uh, you can uh, find it uh, on LandryFootball.com and where to sign up for the podcast and what have you. Uh, reminder that um, for uh, Landry Football Podcast Channel, get you the SEC show, the ACC show, uh, the NFL show, all part of Podcast Park in Atlanta. And, uh, of course, one other note, a lot of news and notes going on around the world of college football and the NFL that we've got in our notebooks. It's the second week of uh, NFL preseason. Well, excuse me. It's the first week of NFL preseason with the last week being the Hall of Fame game. And we've got uh, a lot of th- stuff going on there. We want to check it out. A lot of news around the country. A very, very tough injury today for the University of Florida. We'll get into that on our SEC show in the next hour. But bottom line, LandryFootball.com is where you want to go to get all the detailed film room analysis, inside information on the college and pro game. Up today on the Pac-12 show, we're going to preview, continue our team previews, in-depth film room previews. Arizona State, Stanford, UCLA, and Washington State are all up on the docket today. So looking forward to getting into that with you guys some news and notes around the Pac-12 still not sure what's going on with DTR Dorian Thompson Robinson at UCLA he's yet to join the teammates at practice I haven't got a report from the UCLA coaches today so we'll give you an update on Landry football if anything changes there but they're just two weeks away from their season opener remember they get started in week zero against Hawaii so uh, right now, the freshman Ethan Garbers and Chase Griffin are practicing in the number, getting the number one reps. Uh, Garbers um, transferred from Washington in the spring, and he's really inserting himself into the rotation and getting some good reps. Um, Chase Griffin is um, started the last two games when uh, uh, Dorian Thompson Robinson was uh, out due to contract tracing. So. 
we'll keep you up to date on on that and uh, this UCLA team. I know that Chip, and speaking with him, is very excited about this team. He can, he feels like he can make some improvements. We're going to get into some details about UCLA and kind of what makes them perhaps unique this year. Of course, they've got LSU in their second week game, but is obviously that is the uh, week one matchup. Other news around the league before we start the breakdowns at UW, Dylan Morris, uh, the redshirt freshman, was named starting quarterback by Jimmy Lake. No surprise there. Morris has done a really good job there. Um, he started all four of their games last year. Remember, they only played four. Um, and he was challenged by, you know, to some degree in the spring by Sam Hewitt, who's their future. But um, I think he wants to, in this day and age, kind of get Dylan his chance, not put the pressure of throwing the young true freshman, Sam Hewitt, into the fire. Washington hosts Montana on September 4th to kick the season off. Over at USC, across town in uh, L.A., Keaton Slovis looks fully recovered from that elbow injury that he sustained late in 2019. Moved well, thrown the football well. Um, it's only a couple practices, but things are looking looking pretty good at this point. On the other side, who he's throwing the football to, not so positive as sophomore wide receiver Jake Smith with a foot is going to miss extended time, it looks, with that injury. Um don't know how long. We'll keep you up to date. But it's going to be a while. It may require surgery, so we know what we're getting at. It's uh, something that's going to be significant. We just don't know how much. Extended period of time is how they're classifying that. Now, number one receiver, Brew McCoy, you remember, um, had the domestic violence um, you know, uh, issue and uh, was dismissed. So um, they're down to good receivers, good and deep receiving core going to be tested there. Uh, at Arizona State, um, you probably have heard, it's a few days old now, but as we kind of break down the news of the week, Arizona State's placed assistant coaches Prentice Gill and Chris Hawkins on paid leave amid that NCAA investigation that's going on with potential recruiting violations that are said to take place during the dead period from March of 2020 to June of 2021 due to COVID issues. During that time, the schools were prohibited from having prospective athletes on campus, and they were bringing them up. They were bringing them on campus, bringing them into the football facilities. And so Gill and Hawkins are obviously some fall guys that are uh, being put on um, on paid leave. Adam Brenneman, the tight end coach, was placed on leave last month. So the key folks are getting insulated, and obviously they're throwing uh, some of these other guys under the bus. They all, as a staff, were involved in this and were certainly aware that stuff was going on. Plausible deniability uh, can only go so far. At Arizona State, sophomore defensive lineman Stephon Wright is transferred to the SMU. He was a four-star caliber player in the first recruiting class of Herm Edwards. Good player there. And also at Arizona, Jed Fitch, um, Mr. Soundbite, and Mr. PR uh, as the new head coach of the Arizona Wildcats. Looking for someone to separate at the quarterback position in camp. No one has. We'll see how that plays out. Um, Gonna cruise Will Plummer or two of the guys to watch out for there. Utah defensive end Max um, Tupai is unfortunately going to miss the season, it looks like. Um, 
He's a really good player and was going to figure in their defensive tackle, uh, um, you know, um, in the rotation. It looks like um, he's reported back with the team, but he's not going to be able to play. He's going to have to retire. Look for Xavier uh, Carlton uh, to pick up the slack off the edge. He's a talented young guy. Going to have to put him in the action a little bit quicker than they had hoped. And outside the Pac-12, but out west, Tate Martell. Yeah, you've heard of Tate Martell. The much-traveled Tate Martell um, suffered a thumb injury, uh, according to UNLV coach Marcus Arroyo. Remember Tate, a Nevada kid, went to Ohio State, transferred to Miami, uh, got the super-hot girlfriend. Check her out. I can't remember. You don't know. Google Tate Martell girlfriend and you, you see what I'm going on there. But anyway, he underwent Thursday, uh, surgery in the offseason and he's been throwing. But uh, right now, Justin Rogers and Doug Brumfield has been splitting time, but he's expected to get back. We have been doing a series um, on our conference shows with the top 25 rankings. Look, I'm not a big fan of the preseason rankings. What do they really mean? How much impact that they have with um, the committee in their first rankings? I think it's debatable. But people like to talk about them. So I tend to study them on tape and then, you know, not to have I'm, – look, I'm like anybody else. I think a certain – team or player or coach, there's a certain perception I have based on analysis, film work, but I am trained for 35-plus years to, to evolve with it. Players, teams, coaches get better or get worse. You never stay the same. So I get that. So much in today's world is, well, he said, and Manny Neal, or he said, and now he's saying, and that's a – I don't get into all that. So I have a perception who I think could be good, but I don't know until they start playing games. But everybody wants to talk, what do you think? Is it too ready, too high, too low, what have you? So we've been taking, we in the National College Show, which you can catch right here on this same network of shows, Scouts on College Football, we went through the top 25 and kind of looked through it all. Let's take a look at some Pac-12 teams and how they rank, and let's see whether this might be fairly reasonable or not, the highest-ranked team was Oregon, as you might expect. Now, this Ohio State game that they're going to play in the early part of the season will go a long way to determine how high this um, Duck team could go. Certainly would would shoot up quite a bit with a win there. I don't think they're going to win that game, but we shall see. And they are the projected best team in the Pac-12. So it's another good recruiting class. Breakout players, Kayvon Thibodeau is a guy that you all know about. Mario Cristobal has done an unbelievable job. Three straight recruiting classes in the top ten or higher. Uh, the talent acquisition has been really, really good, and it's a progression of the consistency of a program. And there's no doubt they're doing it better than anybody from the line of scrimmage on up to playmakers. They're absolutely loaded. They are absolutely loaded with four-star receivers in that group. Just unbelievable. How high are they? 12 too high, too low? I don't think it's too high. I think they're pretty good. 
I don't know that they're Ohio State good, who I think is top five good. But I would put them probably a few spots higher. Um, USC, ranked 14th. Um, another program, obviously, a lot of talent. Keaton Slovis is outstanding. We just talked about their receiver situation. Still a lot of talent there, a lot of playmakers. I don't like how this USC team is constructed. If you listened to the show last week, this Pac-12 show, you, you, you got my feeling on how I think this team should be better and more dependable at the line of scrimmage, and, and they're not. Uh, I think they're a little too finesse for my liking. But they're a team that's very, very good and very, very capable of, um, of at least staying in the south race in the Pac-12. Washington ranked 21. I think they're going to be in the north race. I think Oregon's better in terms of playmakers, explosiveness, but Washington's really good at the line of scrimmage. And, again, young quarterback going to be key. Now, Utah is not ranked. I think they probably should be. I think they're in that 20 to 25 range, as is Arizona State. We broke down Utah last week, Arizona State this week. BYU ranked in the uh, other teams receiving votes. By the way, did you hear the news about BYU, what's happening? A marketing company, a um, – I'll be honest with you, I've already forgotten the name of the company. It's not relevant, but it's a Utah-based company that – is going to, through the name, image, and likeness, pay the scholarships for all the walk-ons at BYU. The 39 walk-ons on BYU's roster, their scholarships will be paid in full by this company. Again, creative ideas of name, image, and likeness is going to uh, be interesting. Boise State, I know, not in a Pac-12. They are in the others receiving votes. San Jose State, I mentioned when I broke down on the national show, that's a really good team. Keep an eye out on uh, Nevada as well. And then other uh, Pac-12 teams, UCLA, Nevada, excuse me, UCLA, Stanford, and Cal are the other teams receiving votes. Um, look, I think that Arizona State and Utah are worthy of top 25, and I do think that UCLA, Stanford, and Cal are more like 35 to 45 area rank, and we'll go from there. So uh, those are some uh, some thoughts there. So let's get into, shall we? Let's not waste any more time. Oh, I, I shouldn't say that. I wasn't wasting time. I hope I wasn't wasting your time out there. Uh, any thoughts that you have? Um, some of you, uh, hope that uh, you can join us live, but, but certainly give your feedback. You know, one of the things we're trying to do with these shows is to try to give everybody – enough chance to learn more about these teams. And so, you know, we want to stay committed to doing these shows. Um, I know that the SEC is more popular. We do that twice a week because of that reason. But Big Ten, Big 12, Pac-12, ACC, all are conferences that we're hitting in the type of detail uh, out of respect for you. So we really appreciate your feedback and your thoughts inside the chat room, your questions as to how you think uh, things uh, might be playing out and, um, and maybe, maybe what your thoughts are, questions you might have. On to the next um, phase of breaking these programs down. 
is to go to last week we had four. We're going to have like four next week, and that will wrap up the entire group. Arizona State is the first team up today that I want to talk a little bit about and kind of where their program has come along. I, I will admit I had a lot of question marks about Herm Edwards when he got the job. They have built a very good roster that can compete with the top of the Pac-12. Oregon, USC, they they are talented. There's lots of NFL influence on the coaching staff. They have an outstanding quarterback in Jaden Daniels who now has experience, lots of wide receiver talent loaded, just I mentioned with Oregon, while this Arizona State team has got lots and lots of wide receiver talent. They can get vertical with the passing game, and Daniels is a good dual-threat guy that can work outside the pocket, extend plays. They've got good size and speed. Overall, they do a nice job with their offensive scheme. I think they're very multiple. They run a lot of personnel groups. Um, but yet, they're, they're simplistic in terms of how they're able to set it up and attack. Jaden Daniels protects the ball, limits mistakes. The defense is big and physical and can bring the heat and will probably be doing a little bit more of that. Um, good offensive line. Got a little bit of a thunder and lightning approach going with their running backs. Um, they want to be more multiple with their tight end looks. The defense, they have uh, moved to a more traditional 4-3 uh, alignment <clears throat> and an, uh, with an aggressive launch points and blitz points. Um, and the secondary allows them to be aggressive. So I, uh, I think a, a good-looking team – that I think bears watching. I think a team that um, I think has become a real factor in in how they go about building their program and what they're able to do with uh, with the players that they have. Just very very impressed with uh, what they've been able to put together. Um, it's hard to believe that they're four years in. Herm Edwards, and we know there's some off field issues. We'll see where that takes it in today's current NCAA environment. Um, it's probably what's their best chance of competing and winning the South. I do think they have a good chance. I think Utah and I think USC and Arizona State have a good chance to win the South. I think that's where the the line of demarcation is, and I think this is the team that uh, second year under coordinator Zach Hill. On the offensive side, I think that the best football with Daniels ahead of him, I think they can employ him in the run game. He's super athletic. He's dynamic. I mean, he's really, really good. Now, Brandon Ayuk was his security blank in that freshman year, and then Frank Darby go down with an injury in his second year. But they've got – they've really built a good group of players, and they've augmented that with the transfer of – uh, Brian Thompson from Utah. So it's a deep group. Uh, the freshman Elijah Badger has some um, Brandon Ayuk in him. So they want to be a balanced offense. They want to go vertical, but they want to be able to do that by getting the right type of matchups with their run game. Um, 
they've got a really good run game. Uh, Rashad White and Chip uh, Trainum. They've got four offensive linemen returning. Left tackle, Kellen Deach. The setter, Donovan West. Good-looking players. Uh, they, they really got good movement in the run game. Um, so I think that they've got big backs. You know, Trainum is the big power back, and White's the guy that's got the make-you-miss qualities. On the defensive side, um, they led the Pac-12 in points allowed last year, 23 points. They averaged the most takeaways per game. They finished second in pass efficiency defense. Um, so they're, they have played previously under Danny Gonzalez more of a cover two shell, make you go the length of the field, not be overly aggressive. Now they've gone, and that was more of a 3 3 5 look in base nickel. They're going to play, still be base nickel mostly but they're going to go with a four-down lineman with Antonio Pierce. Um, He's now the sole defensive coordinator. Now Marvin Lewis is with him as well in an advisory role. They've got um, Chase Lewis Lewis is an outstanding corner that can hold up. Jack Jones um, is another good one. Evan Fields is a really good safety. I think Merlin Robertson is a good linebacker. Uh, Jermaine Lloyd and Tyler Johnson are defensive linemen that could play. The front seven, um, you've got Robertson and Butler are four-year starters, and uh, lowly at tackle as well. They've improved their pass rush ability after switching to that 4-3. Um, Robert Rodriguez has done a very good job. Again, coming from the Vikings, they've put a lot of good quality in are selling that together in recruiting, and then I think they're doing a very good job of developing them. Uh, there's no question about it. So um, – Recruiting-wise, they're doing a good job. I think they're kind of in the, the 15 to 25 range, which puts them pretty high in recruiting rankings. It's not, however, where Oregon is, and it's not where USC is. So I think going forward, it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. But um, I think they've done a very nice job there uh, at the, in just three years at Arizona State. Want to move on to the Stanford Cardinal? We had a question on, I think it was the SEC Football and Beyond show about the best developmental programs in the country, and we kind of broke them down by conference. But there are a number of them. Stanford was once, if not the premier, certainly in the short list of developmental programs in the country. Um, now they're behind Utah in the Pac-12 they're still good. They're super steady for the most part. They play physical, yet relaxed and poised. They've got an incredible culture. Even when they're not winning, they don't have a lot. They don't have bad guys. They don't have a problem, called, got, got a problem with guys causing issues in the locker room. Um, they've not hit on as many skill position guys in recruiting as they have done in the past. And it's hurt them. There is no question it's hurt them. Um, uh, you, you can get the, the safeties moved out of the, the run box uh, as, uh, as, as, as they have in the past. Um, when they're able to stretch it, they could run the football. They're not able to move the safeties as much as they have in the past. Uh, they're still physical. They try to 
reduce the game into the fourth quarter, take their chances there. They're not as good as Oregon. They're not as good as Washington by a long shot in the North. And Cal has caught them defensively. But they've also regressed in some areas schematically on offense and efficiency on offense. Like, for example, the red zone efficiency is not nearly as good as what it has been. So those are concerns that I would have as it relates to Stanford that I think when you look at them in previous years, they were able to do a little bit more. They've not finished a season ranked in the top 25 since 2017. But the 2020 season rebounded after that really bad 2019 campaign. So last year, in some cases, a good year or a bad year in the Pac-12 kind of went unnoticed, and to some degree in the Big Ten because they didn't play enough games, right? But what happened in 19 is they didn't have the power run. Well, why didn't they have the power run? Well, as I said, they were facing more loaded boxes because they couldn't test people vertically enough. I thought the run game was a little bit better in 2020. They went 4-2, and two, and they were 4-1 and one when Davis Mills was in the starting lineup. They won a lot of close games, and they do that. They make, You look at them on film, and you think, boy, they're super efficient. They're not overly, certainly not scary, and not overly impressive other than their efficiency. I think the quarterback position in Mills developed into a pretty good pro-caliber quarterback in 2020. He's gone. They don't have a proven commodity. The senior Jack West has made two career starts. The sophomore Tanner McKee is going to compete. We're going to see where that goes. The freshman Ari Patu I think is going to be in the mix eventually. I don't know that running this offense he's going to be able to do it soon. Jack West is very smart, very confident, good leader. He's got a good command of the offense. McKee is a kid that's coming off a Mormon mission. He's a 6'5", sophomore, strong-armed, good athlete, really big ceiling. So we'll see how this plays out. The receiving core is a problem as well. They had an all-conference receiver in Fijico. He led the conference in receiving yards per game. He's gone. Uh, Connor Wellington um, and the tight end, Scooter Harrington, are also gone. Uh, they like Michael Wilson and Elijah Higgins. Now, Higgins is an improving big receiver that could play some of that Y-flex tight end spot. Despite the loss of the two best offensive linemen, the center, Drew Dahlman, the tackle, Foster Sarrell, um, they believe that uh, led by tackle Walter Rouse and Brandon, uh, Branson Bragg will be a strength, and I agree with them. I think they should be able to run the football. The outside zone should be pretty effective. They've got two proven backs now, and Austin Jones is really good, and Nathaniel Peach really good. Um, so I'm encouraged that they could take a step in the right direction there. Defensively, they were tied for eighth in conference in scoring defense, ninth in total defense. Um, they lose Curtis Robinson, an inside backer. Thomas Schaefer, who's their best pass rusher. Uh, Malik Antoine, uh, their top defensive back. He was their safety, really good player. Um, they were really poor stopping the run last year. Um, they were 11th in the Pac-12. They gave up 222 yards a game rushing. 
Um, they've got some talent in their three-man front. They play a two-gap front. They've got their nose tackle, Dalen Wade Perry. <clears throat> now, Thomas Booker, the end's really good, can set the edge. Um, he's also really good on special teams. He's, he's a very, very effective kick blocker. Inside backer, uh, Lavani Domini is a really good player. Ricky Meisen has loads of potential, but he missed all of last season with injury, really most of all of the last two years. I like their cornerback in uh, Caillou Blue Kelly, a junior who started since his freshman year. Kendall Williamson can handle the strong safety spot. So I think this, this team has a chance to be a little bit better. How much better? Not sure. Look, this team doesn't recruit at a high level. They recruit kind of at the 50 to 60 range. They may get one or two top 300 commitments. Out of the 12, they finish like eighth or ninth in most years. Now, Ari Patu is the, is, the, um, is the quarterback from Folsom, California, that's got a good future there. Um, Aaron Armitage, the defensive end, could probably help them early. He's the kid from Blair Academy out in New Jersey. So they will get a couple. They just don't get a lot of them. Where's the speed? Where's the playmakers? Think McCaffrey. Think the receivers. Think of those guys and what they have meant to the offense. And that's why, folks, you're able to run the football is when you can reduce and get defenders outside the box because you've got to have respect for their receivers. Look at the tight ends they've had that's been so effective in the passing game and the outside physical receivers that they could attack and quarterback play that can get the ball to them. All of a sudden, you're able to run the football and work to that. Now, it's a lot of crowded boxes, and for two years, really 2019 is what we're going on, they just weren't very good. So how much of an improvement there? Going to be interesting to see. We discussed a little earlier UCLA and kind of where they are and the Dorian Thompson-Robinson situation and kind of where this program is and Chip Kelly. I get asked a lot. I was asked by one of our great um, listeners, R.W., a while back on, a, on another show. Why would UCLA get Chip Kelly? Why would Chip Kelly go to UCLA? They're not committing. And I mentioned it, and, and I'd like to spend a little bit of time in explaining it in further detail. Chip Kelly could have had the Florida job. There's no doubt about that. Dan Mullen was not the first choice. Chip Kelly was. <clears throat> Scott Frost was in that. The three candidates were Dan Mullen, who was third, Scott Frost, who was second, and Chip Kelly, who was first. Chip Kelly took the UCLA job. Scott Frost went home to Nebraska. And Dan Mullen, former Gator, uh, I, I, I wouldn't – I think it's disrespectful to say it was a fallback plan, but the reality is he wasn't their top choice. Why UCLA for Chip Kelly? Very simply. Chip Kelly has his program that he believes in, and he's not real stubborn with it, believe it or not. He's very eclectic in his views, but he wants to run his program. He doesn't like the limelight and he wants time to do it the way he wants to do it. He had the same type of results that he's had at UCLA at Florida. He'd be gone. They'd be, I, if they hadn't run him off already, this would be the year he's gone. He's got the support and there's patience because it's not a win or die type job. 
Yes, UCLA has top 20 potential year in and year out. We lost Terry Donahue recently, and Terry did a phenomenal job at UCLA, UCLA for years and years. But Chip, Chip has ignored the noise. It's the reason why he took this type of job, and they're starting to get better. How much better? We'll see. They're getting better. I can tell you that. I don't know how much better. I don't know if they're good enough to beat LSU. LSU's far more talented. But they're getting better. They um, are not and will not be the full, all-go, no-huddle that Chip had at Oregon. Why? Again, really good offensive minds. You, they don't. You don't hire them because of their scheme. You hire them for their mind and their ability to adjust their scheme. No huddle offenses are still very effective, but defenses have packages for that. So the effectiveness that was yielded through the Oregon days is not quite as effective now, and he doesn't have quite as good a player base to work from. They will bring out the no huddle a little bit more against weaker opponents, but they have a little bit of a different plan. The other thing that they've done is the offense has gotten better. Why? Uh, Dorian Thompson-Robinson is protecting the ball better, which was the biggest problem early on. Turning the football just killed them. They've been effective moving it, but they've killed themselves with penalties. They've been able to rebuild a running back room pretty effectively. Love their tight end. The defense has transitioned into a more aggressive group that is blitz-heavy, well-diagnosed pressures. Um, How the defense progresses and um, and the continued improvement of Dorian Thompson-Robinson is the key. It's the key to how good they can be this year. The the reality is, um, is they've got some work to do. It's um, if you look at what he inherited, Chip is a different guy in that he comes in, tears it down, and builds it over. That's what he does. Um, so understanding that, it doesn't explain away, it doesn't excuse the productivity or lack thereof to this point, but it somehow explains it. When you see their ability to clean up some of the issues with the turnovers, it's made them a little bit better. Um, Look, the record's not good. And this is, a, I think, a year to show some positive growth in how you play. And if you don't, then it's certainly, look, it's it's not only fair, it would be accurate to say, you know what, not, not really getting it done there. Not really how it's supposed to look at this stage. Now, DTR was handpicked by Chip to be their guy. He's the dual-threat guy, which he likes, and he's got to take the next step. Now, Chase Griffin, we mentioned, DTR hadn't played a whole lot. I don't know that there's anything sinister going on, but the reality is whether he's got a little, and Chip is the type that, if there's any soreness or anything, he, he won't let that out. Very, very close-minded in that regard. But both 
quarterbacks, whoever quarterback is going to play about an offensive uh, behind an offensive line, that's the strongest they've had in years. They bring back all five starters. Sean Ryan, Alec Anderson, a really solid tackle. The center, Sam Marzell, is a bright spot. Um, I think there's some more competition at both guard spots. Um, but Justin Fry, who's the offensive coordinator, offensive line coach, really coordinates the run game and Chip oversees everything, still calls the plays. Britton Brown is um, is the guy that's going to be the lead guy, at least initially, running behind that line but they've got a number of options at running back. Uh, the Michigan transfer, Zach Charbonnet, remember him? They've got a speedster like uh, Kazmir uh, Allen, the tight end Michael Martinez is a key blocker. Um, Greg Dulicic is a really good player. Um, they've got some options at receiver. Not a lot, but they've got some Kyle Phillips leads the way. But they've got Logan Lawyer. Uh, they've got the transfer, Cam Brown, transfer from Texas A&M to supplement a group. Defensively, I've seen some growth there. They lose only one starter on the defensive side of the ball. Um, but it's a big one. You know, uh, Ozawigi was really, really good. He's the first-team Pac-12 guy, most consistent defensive player in the Chip Kelly era. Um, so we'll see. Um Otto uh, Ugobana and Mitchell Ogunde are the two guys that are expected to have the most impact on that defensive front. Both linebacker spots are really solid with Caleb Johnson. The leading tackler last year got five and a half sacks. Bo Calvert is a guy that's really growing in their 4-2-5 scheme. You've got Alabama transfer. Ali Kehoe provides depth. The secondary returns intact. Um, so it's a pretty good group. Um, the group was uh, was weak against the pass last year. Um, Knight was the vocal leader on the back end. He's really, really good player. I don't know how many wins they have there. I, I really, when you look at their schedule, you can question how many wins they're going to have in that. Um, I think that, you know, Winning against Hawaii is certainly something I expect. I'll go through it right with you right here because I think, you know, I, I don't like, obviously, the chances against LSU. But I do think Hawaii and Fresno. I think Stanford's a pivotal game on the road. Arizona State, Arizona, I think beating Arizona is definitely something they should do. I think, um, but look, USC, Utah, Oregon, Washington, Arizona State, those are five games right there that are going to be awfully tough. You're going to have to outplay them because they've got a little more talent. I don't know that 7-5 excites folks enough. I'm just saying I'm seeing some positivity. The recruiting is going to have to get better. 35th, 40th nationally is not going to get it done. Getting ranked 7th or 8th out of the Pac-12 recruiting, not going to get it done. Got to recruit better than that. There's no doubt about that we'll wrap up the breakdowns with Washington State it's a big rebuild it's a big culture change away from kind of the soft Mike Leach culture style not sure that Nick Rolovich's style is going to be much different quite frankly um it's a tough place to recruit to um Pullman, Washington is the 
furthest Power 5 school from a major airport. It is in the middle of nowhere. I mean, it, it the city is the university. It's just going up a hill, and there's the university there. There's just not much there. It, it's a it's a major uh, rebuild. They've got two good tackles, though. they got a very good running back in Max Orgy. If you're not familiar with him, you'll enjoy him. I like their defensive ends. The defense, though, just not overall talented enough, and their offense kills them. They allow touchdowns on 89% of their defensive red zone possessions. Dead last in the FBS. And it was among the worst defending explosive plays. The defensive line needs the most work. I think the defensive ends are serviceable. Secondary is thin. They don't have the ability to close out games. They don't run it well. They just do a very, very poor job there. If you um, if you look at it is more run and shoot um, has some of the air raid principles, but a little different. Um, they haven't had a returning starter there, what, since like 17, I believe, with Luke Falk. So that's going to be key. You, you've got to have the quarterback that can throw it. They're going to throw it a ton. Max Borgi is the running back that I mentioned. And Deion McIntosh, this is a pretty complete backfield. Um, and I think they – I would like to see them utilize them a little bit more to protect their defense. They lost their two starting wide receivers, but could be more productive this year. More importantly, Travell Harris, their speedster is going to play in that H receiver spot from the Wildcat and as a running back. So they're going to find more ways to get the ball in his hands. He, Raynard Bell, is also returning. Abraham Lucas is one of the best Pac-12 tackles. Um. They returned four guys there. Defensively, again, the stats were awful. It was a short year. Let's not overreact, but the numbers are what they are, and they looked at it on film. Let's see that um, Jake Dickert's defense. Remember, coordinators that were in their first year last year, disaster. In most cases, you can't put in your defense. You don't know what you – let's hope that was a lot to do with it. Untimely letdowns, forced three turnovers that led to 12 points in the first half, a November 14th game against Oregon, but that was undone by a 57-yard pass right before the half. They've got some talent to work with on defense. I do think – the ends, the secondary, are good enough to make market improvement. Now, I'm not talking about really good defense, but I'm talking about a defense that certainly shouldn't be ranked as low as they were last year. They need to build depth on the interior of their defensive line. Uh, they're stout, I think, at the edge positions, as I mentioned. Brennan Jackson, Ron Stone, and Willie Taylor. Uh, Jalen Woods and Justin Rogers and Dylan Sherman are – Guys that can play on the second level. Um, the kid uh, from USC, um, corner uh, Jalen Watson is their top corner. 6'3", 200-pound kid, physical, 
press coverage. Really good as an on-the-ball defender. Derek Langford, Caleb Ford-Demant, George Hicks, Charles Smith-Wade provide some depth there. So uh, this is a rebuild, and it'll shift away from some of what they've done in the past with Mike. But that's a that's a good thing, actually. It's It actually is uh, a good thing. A um, couple of questions. Um, you know, Spartan Martin has a question on um, – in the SEC show. Spartan, I want you, um, because we will have a different look, why don't you uh, hit us with that question uh, next hour. Uh, that'll be a little bit better. Uh, I, if you're listening now and can't listen next hour, was Florida's performance against, uh, can you tell me your thoughts on the SEC championship game with the Florida and Bama? Was Florida's performance fluky good, or did they fall very short of their potential with a four-loss season, or in your opinion, was the game not that so close on the scoreboard, uh, only a six-point win for Bama? Yeah, the they played well against Alabama. Um, I thought they had a really good game plan. I thought that um, Bama played a little bit conservatively on how they approached it. Um, they under it. Look, I think Florida did a good job, but they underachieved against LSU. They weren't ready to play. You know about the bowl game. I mean, those are real. I mean, it's part of their their resume from last year. They they didn't play well. I, I thought overall, Georgia has better overall talent in the East. I thought overall they did a good job maximizing in that game against Georgia. You're not asking about that, but I, I thought – Georgia had better talent, and Florida won the division because Georgia was unable to figure out their passing game. I don't think that's going to be the case this year. We'll see. But um, I didn't, you know, I I wouldn't look at that as, boy, that was a six-point game against Bama. Florida's ready to catch Bama. Florida will be able to catch the likes of Bama, when they can recruit on the same level. Um, Dan is very good, but you're not going to be able to upcoach him to that point. So those are my thoughts there, and uh, certainly hopefully that answers it. Um, and, and if you want to address the question in the next hour, we can we can get to it there. Hey, I appreciate everybody. I appreciate Spartan Martin joining us on the Pac-12 Football and Beyond, and we encourage everybody to join us on all of our shows live that you can interact and you can ask questions, and we can – Get to them right here. It's the only way to get involved. Well, you can send us a tweet at Landry Football. Uh, send an email as well. But that's a good way to react to the show is to bring it to us. So we appreciate Spartan Martin and everyone that joins us. A reminder to sign up for Landry Football Podcast channel to get the SEC, ACC shows, the National College, and NFL shows. We've got that for you. And check out LandryFootball.com. Detailed breakdowns on the teams I just talked about as well as all the other college football programs, um, we've got that for you. Um, and we can break it down like no one else can and give you a different insight into the game of football from a coaching and scouting perspective. A reminder again that at top of the hour, we're going to be with you with Dan Matthews. Uh, we're going to break down the SEC, SEC football and beyond. So bring your questions, bring your thoughts. We're excited about having you here. We're excited about you being part of our family. Take advantage of the football season uh, sale over at LandryFootball.com and get all the detailed inside information, what's going on at practices, 
who's working out, who's looking good, who's not. We'll get you ready for the games, get you ready for the full week one of preseason in the NFL, what to look for there, the news and notes there, as well as uh, we'll be breaking down all the games for you. won't be long before we're able to do that. So appreciate you joining us. Talk to you at the top of the hour for some SEC talk. So long, everyone. Have a great one. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.